0: I want to do a quick recap for where we are in this series. This is the series Transformed. And last week, Pastor Don kicked off the series as he was talking about transformation and it being more of a process, not just a moment in our lives and in our faith. He talked about the old man, who we were before coming to faith in Christ, and the new man, who we are as we are becoming made more into his image. He said that transformation starts in our minds because what we think about determines and defines what we do. And he talked about sanctification, that process of being, um, growing and maturing and being made more into the image of Christ Jesus. So, Today, I get to actually talk to you about the key to transformation. So, before we do that, I just want to quickly pray. Pray over what I'm going to speak about and what I'm going to share. So, if you will, bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to... To share with others, Lord, your word, your truth, the encouragement that comes from it, Father, and and the the power and the promises that you give us, that you will bring transformation to our lives, that you can transform us. And uh, so, Lord, I pray that you would just use these words to teach us, encourage us, and grow us, Father, into more of the image of your Son. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so as we kick off this particular week of the Transform series, I want to start with a verse. This is a verse that I um, based a lot of my course on, but also Pastor Donnie referenced it last week. It's from Romans. It's Romans 12one through 2. And it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All right, so right in there is going to be uh, the first key as to what we're going to be talking about today. We're talking about renewing our minds, but the NLT version, the translation, has a little bit of a different phrasing that I like, and I don't want you to miss. So the NLT says it like this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you'll be able to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And and as we look at this, I want to just point out the phrasing of this because I think the phrasing is so important. It says that let God transform you into a new person. That, again, is what we're talking about in this series, by changing the way you think. And that's really what we're going to talk about, is changing the way we think. So I want to talk first about three major um, aspects to our thinking processes or contributions. our thinking is um, influenced by three major components. The first is biological. Um, this is talking about the actual brain that we're given, the physical brain, how it was formed, how it operates, um, and how it operates on a chemical level, on a neurological level. Um, and our brain will be affected if it's been injured or if, it's, if we've had disease or illness or even substances affect the way our brains work. So that is one element of how our thinking Um, occurs but another is the psychological element the the psychological being how our experiences are interpreted and understood by us Um, so the third would be the spiritual element and this is the part that we don't always spend a lot of time talking about um, even though it has the most power I think to create and change and transformation in our lives. So the spiritual component is the key, I believe, to unlocking the greatest change uh, in spite of our biological influences or our psychological experiences. So um, for me, I think that this is where we're going to park and we're going to kind of just lay in this area for most of this talk but right now i'm just want to bring this kind of to 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 your mind right now like this time that we're in this pandemic where we are in stay at home order under stay at home orders and we're just kind of dealing with a new kind of rhythm of life there are a lot of things that are different and a lot of a lot of ways this is affecting the way we think and it's affecting our lives in many ways like a lot of you are probably dealing with the same things everyone else is dealing with. We're dealing with loneliness. We're dealing with um, losing sleep or difficulty sleeping. We deal with um, worry and fear over this virus and how it might affect the people we love. We we think about how is this economically going to impact our our family and our future, and um, and a lot of times we're stressed, moms. <laughs> I know you're stressed about having to now add teacher to your long list of duties and um, responsibilities as a parent. So that's why this is vital right now, I think more than ever, to be thinking about um, renewing our mind, renewing our processes of thinking so that we can experience peace. And freedom and transformation that God offers to each and every one of us. So, first, let's talk about where this began. Um, this worldly thinking, this pattern of worldly thinking that we're supposed to um, avoid or that we're supposed to turn from, where did it begin? So, first, I want to take you to a passage in Romans. It's the first chapter of Romans, and it says this The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But in their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools." And exchanged the glory of immortal God for images made to look like mortal men, and birds and animals and reptiles. We're going to keep going. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. That's very important. And worshipped and served, created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. So this passage, to me, is very clear that this is where the worldly thinking began. And it's important to know where this began and to recognize what fuels this worldly thinking. Um, We see in the passage that God revealed himself to man. He revealed himself to us through creation, through the created order of things. And it displays his eternal power and divine nature, And because of this evidence that we have all around of us, man is without excuse. But in spite of that overwhelming evidence, mankind did not glorify him, and they didn't even thank him. But in their minds, a futility set in. And in that futility, what it's talking about is vanity. It's talking about emptiness and idolatry. And that was what led to the foolish thinking, and darkened hearts that we see in that passage. So here we already see a contrast between the response of mankind to creator compared to creation, and we see a contrast with wisdom and foolishness, but both come down to an exchange, an exchange of the truth, the truth of God and who he is for a lie. That's why Proverbs even tells us, the beginning of wisdom um, is the fear of the Lord. So it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise knowledge um, and discipline, um, or wisdom and discipline. So parents, I think that for those of you listening and, and, and wanting some encouragement as parents, Um, We get caught up in all of the duties and the roles and the activities But really our role if you could distill it down to an important Crux of the matter our duty is to point our children into truth to lead them into truth Um, Truth of who God is who we are why we're here and 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 you know what this is this is this is who God has called us to do so that's our greatest mission In life I believe so um, here is where we saw where things went wrong that was with man's thinking and if we're not careful we could continue to go wrong with our thinking we saw where it began and we saw that it was an exchange an exchange of the truth for a lie so let me give you some examples of worldly thinking okay so we saw in Scripture how it began Examples of worldly thinking today would be things like relativism. Um, the idea of what's right for you is not necessarily right for me. You do you, I'll do me. Um, hope. Hope in, in a worldly pattern of thinking is based on people, wealth, things, organizations, maybe even organized religion. Um, w- there's the denial of God, a denial of one supreme, loving just holy God. Um, there is um, there's an idea that purpose is self-given, that the purpose that we have in life has to be kind of manufactured and and determined within each individual, and power for our life and change would come from within ourselves rather than through God or an, another power, um, and control. Control is another worldly. Uh, type of thinking if we're not careful because we fight for control we believe that if we work hard enough that we can control things that happen to us and and maybe even our children for those of uh, for those the parents who are listening Um, these are examples of worldly thinking today but notice where their focus is their focus is on some element of God's creation rather than God himself now at first glance you could look at that list and say I don't know, I don't relate to that. That's not the way I think. But well, let me tell you some examples of how this actually manifests itself in our culture today. These are some of the mindsets that you might hear, maybe even you believe yourself. Um, how about this one? I must do whatever makes me happy. I deserve to be happy. God wants me to be happy. All right. Well, I, <laughs> there are so many things wrong with that, but let me, let me just point out, I don't know if, uh, if, if you've heard this yet, but we just learned that the, um, the site, Ashley Madison, is an online site for matching people for an adulterous relationship. They have seen an uptick. There is a 17,000 increase, um, 17,000 person increased each day since this shutdown began, can you? I mean, like I, m- that blows my mind that since we've been in this pandemic um, stay at home order period of time, that they have had 17,000 new people daily going onto that site looking for an opportunity to engage in an adulterous relationship. Why? Because they're not happy. This is a worldly pattern of thinking. I'm not happy in my marriage, so I'm going to find someone else. See, you've got to be careful about that. Um, how about another way that we hear this in culture? If I don't have a partner or love, I will never be complete. Uh, another one is if I just had more money or freedom or influence, I would be okay. Um, this is another big one. Uh, the Bible It might have been uh, right for one period of time, but it's not right for today, not in modern culture. The world's changing. We have to change with it. So the Bible isn't trustworthy. It's kind of outdated. It's a good book of, you know, principles to live by, but it's not, you know, it's not what I would call truth. These are ways in which worldly thinking seeps into our culture and will even seep into our mind if we're not careful, if we're not on guard. Well, if you've been around Journey for any period of time, you've probably heard those kinds of statements and you've heard us refute them adamantly and scripturally. So um, last Sunday, as Pastor Donnie was talking about this Transform series, as he was introducing this topic, he brought up a word, he introduced a word called sanctification. Now that process is, again, this is, he was talking about transformation is not, just a moment. It's a, it's a process that we engage in. So sanctification is what happens to us at the point um, uh, after we have received Christ and placed our hope and our faith in him. It's what happens from that point forward where we are growing and maturing and being made more into the image of Christ Jesus. It's the thing that fuels our drive towards holiness and righteousness. Now, if I were going to condense it, I would say that sanctification is the process of learning to live in the light of truth, okay? It's a process, again, of learning to live and in um, every aspect of our lives living in the light of truth, but renewal, renewal and transformation, renewing the mind is a process of Thinking in the light of truth. So remember, we were conforming to a worldly pattern of thinking. But now we are conforming to Christ's way of thinking. Actually, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, he says, we have the mind of Christ. We must begin to think and and train ourselves to think as Christ does through the influence of his spirit in us, the Holy Spirit. And he does that. but I do want to say I want to admit and acknowledge it can be hard. It's it's work. It takes effort and intentionality. It's going against the flow of what feels natural. Again, comparing the old man to the new man that we are, and um, it is learning to change the way we think. So first, I want to talk quickly about that because I want you to know from a biological perspective, this change actually is possible. All right. Understanding that um, gives us hope that, that we're not talking about this in a philosophical sense but that this is um, something that actually can happen at a neurological level as well as our spiritual level. So let's talk about the neurological level first. Dr. Caroline Leaf um, is a communication pathologist and audiologist who has worked in the field of cognitive neuroscience for decades. She works with patients who have suffered traumatic brain injuries and those who have learning disabilities. And she's basically um, created methods to help them change the way they think in a neurological and structural level. Now she explains this is possible because that our thoughts take up actual space in the brain so that through our thinking and choosing Um, When you think and choose, you are basically synthesizing proteins in your brain. Those proteins form thoughts, and those thoughts occupy actual space in the brain. And she said these thoughts can actually be viewed through brain imaging. So because those thoughts are created by our thinking and choosing, she uh, she basically claims that we can change our actual brain structure and we can make positive beneficial changes in that. So um, how does that how's that even possible though it's like you know for most of us we're not scientists this doesn't really make sense. but she says that our brains are um, are malleable. She leans into the neuroplasticity of the brain. so let me talk about this. what is? Um, See, neuroplasticity, the capacity of the neurons and the neural networks of the brain to change their connections in response to um, new information, sensory stimulation, natural course of development in our lives, but they also can change due to damage and dysfunction. So this neuroplasticity is what her research and her methods are basically founded on. So the potential for change at a structural level is there. Now one way to think about our neural pathways is to think of a river, the creation of a river. Uh, When a river is formed, it basically begins from melting water, from snow and glaciers, maybe rainfall, and it trickles down from a higher elevation to a lower elevation. And those small streams continue to merge and form, and what they do is they eventually collect and they become a small river that later, with more streams collecting, becomes a larger river and then it empties out into the nearest ocean. Our neural pathways are a lot like that river. They're much like the development and course of a river. With the greater volume of water that travels down that course, the greater the impact on the earth that that river creates. So we are either creating neural paths that are new, or ones that have already been used. The ones that have already been used come a little more freely and a little more easily. Those are, those are more what I would identify as the old man, that natural way of thinking. But we can create new neural pathways with just a little bit of energy and attention. Um, so, what is the key to that though? It has to be based on truth. Worldly thinking is founded on what we have seen, what we have experienced, what's been taught to us, how we have interpreted and understood the things we've experienced, but it's basically focused on and influenced by man, and it may even have distortions, confusion, and deception. But renewal is founded on truth. Truth is critical in the battle of our thinking. Now, we know the truth because we follow Jesus. We read his word, this right here, read it, know it, and and listening to his Holy Spirit, who he has given to those who place their faith and their hope in Jesus Christ. Now, how do we recognize the thoughts that are not based in truth? How do we Identify those and the thought patterns that are more of a worldly or old man type of thinking versus the new man. Let's look here at Romans 8. Paul says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So this is a very uh, important passage because this right here gives us uh, a clue into the characteristics of what is sinful mind, a mind that is focused on maybe the self and what natural man wants versus the uh, mind that is focused on God and, and controlled by the Spirit. So our mindset, as we can see from this passage, our mindset is going to be driven by what we allow or who we allow to control it. So our own sinful nature, it's going to be the sin nature, that old man or the Holy Spirit. Now the mindset of man in its natural state it leads us to death. So it said, "The mind controlled by uh, sinful uh, man is death; it is futile, foolish, lifeless." But the mindset of of the of living of one living according to the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit, is life and peace. And I love that because most people today, if we were to ask them, "What is your? How would you characterize your mindset?" I don't think that we would hear life and peace. For example, um, mothers, uh, I just want to talk to mothers here for a few minutes. One of our greatest struggles, and I'm speaking from experience as well as observation. But one of our greatest struggles is in control, right? We, we love our children and so we, we worry about them. And, and we, it, so again, our mindset is not always characterized by life and peace. We worry constantly about their, uh, their health and well-being. We worry about their education. We worry about their friendships. We worry about their faith and their future, everything. If we're not careful, we can worry so much. That we are no longer at at peace or or trusting in God to uh, to to protect and to guide our children, and um and, and this battle, this worry tends to create in us a need to control, a need to, you know, over supervise. This is kind of like the idea of the helicopter moms that was very very popular back in the last 15 years. I think a lot of people have kind of gotten away from that, but for a while it was very common and very um, encouraged to be supervising every aspect of their lives. And as they grow, you, you you monitor their friendships, you monitor their schoolwork, and even do it for them if they can't figure it out. And then as they grow, you just see more and more opportunities for danger and for um, rejection or for being hurt or disappointed. So you work very, very hard. We work hard to give them the best opportunities and experiences. And 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 the more that we work to control, the more we look around and see more areas of danger, more areas of risk, and things that we got to work harder. And it's just it, it's a vicious cycle, and it's it, it's crippling. It's definitely not a mind. Uh, characterized by life and peace. But let me just say this. If Mary, the mother of Jesus, a woman chosen by God and and raising a child who was absolutely perfect, grew up to be a perfect man, if she couldn't control what happened to him in that he was was rejected, he was um, falsely accused, he was abused, he was mocked, and he was murdered or he was crucified if Mary could not stop that or control what happened to him then we need to be we need to be realistic and recognize that our battle for control is not healthy it is not leading us to a life of peace a mindset of life and peace and and you know what she couldn't she couldn't Control his choices I, I look at moms who are so, are struggling and, and discouraged because their adult children made some bad choices and they're living out the consequences of those choices and Mary couldn't change Jesus's choice for him hallelujah thank God she didn't so it's not a reflection on her and so moms I know so many Just struggle with watching your kids who have made poor choices. Remember, our job is to point them into truth, lead them into the truth, nurture them, encourage them. But they have to make those choices for themselves. So I hope this is actually encouraging and it doesn't make you feel condemned, but rather comforted. So let's get back to this. Um. um, The mind, again, the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. And remember what I said, renewing the mind is learning to think in the light of truth. So how do we do that? How do we think in the light of truth? Well, we first have to recognize that this is a struggle, and for some of you it's going to be all-out war. Um, Here's a passage from, uh, let's see, what is this from? Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So here's what we're going to talk about. Taking our thoughts captive. And we're going to talk about those strongholds that he mentions in that passage. Now, remember, the way we have been programmed or trained to think creates habits and patterns, all right? But those patterns can be very hard to undo, just like the river analogy. Um, So let me ask you, do you ever experience... um, or feel like you have a pattern of thinking that may not be good, may not be helpful or beneficial. It's kind of frustrating to you when you find one. It's um, it's like you don't like the outcomes of your decisions and choices, but you honestly don't know how to choose differently. You don't even know how to think differently because it's like a rut that you get stuck in, and you recognize there's a rut, but you don't know how to break out of it. Well, this is what something... Um, This is what Neil Anderson would call a stronghold. He is a pastor and a theologian, and he wrote this really um, powerful book called Victory Over Darkness. But he describes a spiritual stronghold as mental traces burned into our minds over time, again like that river analogy, or by the intensity of traumatic experiences. So for an example of this type of stronghold, um, inferiority, for example, someone with an inferiority complex was not born feeling and thinking they're inferior. Their um, feelings of inferiority are, are created by messages and teaching and, 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 and being told that everyone else around them is either smarter more successful uh, is, is just uh, stronger or prettier. All right, so for example. But you're not born thinking that way. It's something that has been created over time and through messages and experiences. So other examples of strongholds would be things like uh, perfectionism, anger and rage, um, hopelessness a fear of abandonment, eating disorders, sexual deviations, addictions, and more. These are all ways in which we can have um, mental habit patterns or thinking patterns that are um, that are unhealthy and, and can be destructive to us, and they can be hard to undo. So I shared in my course... Um how perfectionism is one of my uh, strongholds that I had to deal with for um, <laughs> it was thirty years or more and um and and the reason I share it is because it's it's very it's a very good illustration of something that can happen not out of trauma, but just out of ordinary life experiences. And, and what it was is um, I've, I've struggled with this idea of, of being perfect and, and being highly competitive. Those that know me know that I'm a very competitive person. Um, and so I uh, the word described uh, that I've heard my friends use to describe me as intense Um But I have this perfectionist mentality that everything I do, if I can't do it perfectly or excel at it, I tended to shy away from it and even be fearful of it. But it started becoming a prison. It started to be something that was debilitating to me. It was incapacitating to me because I was feeling led into different areas of ministry, and I could not do it because I was so crippled in fear. And so I had to begin recognizing that okay, this is a this is a stronghold in my life and I have to get to the bottom of this and find a way to correct it. And 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 the way that it came about was just through a time of of prayer and completely surrendering to God like please help me understand where did I hear this word perfect in that context where did i learn such an unhealthy view of competition because it it had been very unhealthy and and as my mind went back the holy spirit who is our great um comforter and counselor he started asking me questions like where did you first hear this word in the context of performance and immediately memories started flooding back to me and immediately the tears began to flow the 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 result of this is, or, or the the issue was that as a child i had um, I had a teacher who, with good intentions and never in never meaning to be harmful in his words and his actions, said something that forever changed my understanding of that word and it was it was born out of a desire to get um, control in, in, in the room, and to encourage students to behave and be good class citizens. And he created this competition. It was a competition. It was um, student of the week. And student of the week was one who had been uh, had exhibited the best behavior, had been helpful, and all the good qualities. Well, I was not a good student. I was always in trouble for talking. I was very, very opinionated, and I did not, sh- you know, I did not take the boys garbage i was confrontive and so i i determined i want this award because this the student of the week was it was an award with a little trophy and lots of attention we all wanted it this was before participation trophies this was before that era so we all wanted it and we were competing viciously for it and um I knew that I was going to have to change my behavior. I knew it, and I did. I worked so hard, but week after week after week, I didn't get this acknowledgement. I didn't get this award. Well, one week I knew it was my turn. I knew that I had had a wonderful week, and um, as Friday came and he's announcing the winner for that week, he said it was a tie. He said it came down to two people, and it was me and one other student, and when he finally explained um, when he gave his decision, his choice, it was not me. And I was crushed. I was shredded. And uh, he knew I was upset. I was crying. And he calls me to his desk and he says, I want you to understand that it really was a hard choice and I had to choose one. There could only be one winner. But you just weren't perfect. And that was when, in my heart, I, my, my heart was so vulnerable and and young i received a seed uh, if you will a, a seed of 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 an of an understanding that was not true or accurate but i did i was not old enough to be able to recognize he's not meaning to hurt me he's not meaning to say that we have to be perfect but in that moment i was I was learning that if I want to be accepted, if I want to be valued or acknowledged, anything I do, I have to be perfect. If I want to win, I have to be perfect. So you can see where this, this benign event, because this was not trauma, this was not abuse, this is a rather benign event, but sown in in fertile soil of a child's heart who doesn't know how to how to how to contest that with your thinking with your knowledge of truth it becomes a root and that root grows and flourishes into a very unhealthy thing and that is where i found that stronghold well hallelujah um thank god i i recognize that and from that time forward was able to then counter that lie with truth um and honestly, you know, I still struggle with perfectionism. It's still hard on me. I will leave this today and probably go back and find all the errors in what I've spoken up here. But the the truth of the matter is the, the victory has already been won because whereas, you know, years ago, I would never even considered doing this. I would never have considered leading worship or leading a women's ministry i would never consider standing in front of people and and trying to talk and make sentences so the victory has already been won and i'm grateful for that so um again the point being in that story is it's not always a traumatic uh, event sometimes it is a rather benign and ordinary kind of event that is misinterpreted and misunderstood. And yet it creates an unhealthy, a very unhealthy thought pattern. So how do we practically demolish these strongholds? Once we recognize that there is a potential stronghold in our lives, we have to know what to do about it. All right. Um, So what we're going to look at is, again, through that passage, that we read. We read that um, we, um, his word has the power to demolish strongholds. So um, what I want you to first consider is that we're going to have to change the way we think about our thinking. All right. We're going to have to recognize that um, our mind needs to be guarded. So up here, we're going to set a guard and Peter writes, First uh, 1 Peter 1.13 says, Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Um, we have to recognize that everything that comes into our mind should not necessarily be accepted or agreed with. We actually get to choose what we will believe about something or about a situation or circumstance. Um, Solomon writes that like a city with broken walls... Um, is the man who lacks self-control. And broken walls leave you vulnerable. So we do not need to allow our minds to be unprotected and unguarded. The second thing is to stop the destructive and dangerous thinking. We're going to have to learn to test the message, test what we're hearing and the thoughts that come into our minds. Okay, so this is what Neil Anderson Uh, describes as threshold thinking. We're going to stop a thought at the door the first moment it enters our mind. Let me fix this. Um, The first time it enters our mind. Now, we we can immediately dismiss and reject thoughts that are accusatory because we do have an accuser, all right? It is not God. So thoughts that are accusatory, we can go ahead and outright reject them. We can reject thoughts that tempt us towards evil. Again, God cannot be tempted with evil, and he does not tempt us. So we can immediately reject those thoughts as they enter our minds. But then the other thoughts that come in that are not as easy to discern, we have to learn to find out, do they align with truth? All right, um, let's see. First John tells us, dear friends, Don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into this world. Again, we have to be active and aware and um, evaluate our thoughts to see, do they line up to truth? Do they set themselves up against the knowledge of God? And if they do not, we have to take them captive and make them obedient to Christ. The third thing is, we're going to take the offensive and fight back. What do we fight back with? We fight back with truth, Um, scripture, God's word, this right here. These words here are what Jesus used when he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan. He used God's word, and his word is what even Paul describes as our sword. It's our offensive weapon in the battle that we are in, and and I again, I encourage you, get into the Bible and learn it. You don't have to know each verse and each reference exactly in order to use it, but you do have to know it. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth is what sets you free. Listen, I can't underscore enough the importance of truth to God and who he is. And I'm not talking about being right for the sake of arguments, but I'm talking about knowing the truth and learning to live in light of it and learning to think in light of the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also said um, that the Holy Spirit, that spirit that he causes to live in us is the spirit of truth. He also said that God, the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks are those who worship in spirit and truth. Truth is very important because it's who God is. And if we are not recognizing and and acknowledging and living in the light of that truth, we're living in the light of the lie. We're living in light of and worshiping the creation and not the creator. It's a very important distinction to be able to recognize so I just want to ask is it possible for you have you exchanged the truth for a lie and it's 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 a hard question and you really have to think about it you're like where have I where have I chosen to believe the lie instead of the truth and that could be the truth of who God is or who I am, who you are—that could be the truth of why we're here, what our purpose is. It could be: have we believed a lie about where our power and our um, our hope comes from? Could it be um, anything about what our what our future hope is, or? Um, control who's really in control do we believe that it's that it's us or the people around us or our governments or organizations or do we genuinely know and trust and lean into the truth that God is in control these are these are the things that I just encourage you to think about as you begin to change the way you think remember sanctification is learning to live in the light of truth but renewing your mind is a process of learning to think in the light of truth. It can feel overwhelming, but here's the thing. It is like charting a new course, and we can do it. His word His word is our power. His word is the truth that leads us to it, and God meets us in it. I want you to be encouraged and recognize that this is truly possible. It's truly possible in a neurological, you know, molecular level, but it's also possible at a spiritual level. And this is what he calls us to. Don't be conformed any longer to a worldly pattern of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And that is the key we have to learn to change the way we're going to think. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the encouragement uh, in it. Thank you for for the power in it, Lord. The truth has the power to truly transform us. Um, And I just pray that for everyone listening today, God, that that you just speak to our hearts, reveal to us those areas in our thinking that, that where we may have possibly exchanged the truth for a lie whether that was the truth of of who you are or who we are to you and what you long for in our lives what you long to do in our lives and transforming us and making us more and more into the image of Christ Jesus God use these words and I pray that that um, that they would just breathe life and hope into us as we seek this transformation, as we seek to chart a new course for our thinking, as we choose to think with the mind of Christ that you have given us because of your Holy Spirit. So God, speak to us. Um, I pray that uh, everyone listening will just just hear you and respond, and um, that you would bring us into greater health and bring us into minds and thoughts that lead us towards life and peace. May our mindset be characterized by that of life and peace because of the work of your Holy Spirit and our focus set on you, Father. We love you very much, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.